Guys, tonight is sponsored, and it is sponsored by Judy Garber and Don Siegel for Rufushalima for um, one of our students' babies. We have a student from our very first year at Tamima, and she has a little one and a half year old who unfortunately has leukemia, and it was quite serious. So her name is Miriam Edel Basaramalka Yaakov. Her name is to be Yaakov. She's also expecting a baby in about five weeks. So it's a little, you know, complicated. So if you have a chance to put her on your list, she's about 16 months old, not maybe 18 months old, and um, she's very ill. Mm -hmm. Miriam Adel Bas Saramalka. The second thing I want to do is thank Elisheva Storch and Mary Samberg, who are always, always helping. Everything together, they just are very, very dedicated and a tremendous support, and none of this would happen without them. And I want to thank Shelly Goldberger for all the graphics in the middle of everything else she's doing. If she hears my voice on the phone, I'm afraid her heart sinks, but I call her anyway, you know? Got to be brave and courageous. Okay, so we want to talk through what happened over these last five weeks. And there are three groups of people in this room. There's a group of people that met with their chaburos and really stuck with this, maybe not 100% perfectly, but really worked this and really stuck with this. There are some people who did a little bit of it, part of it, and there's some people who did nothing. Everybody who's here, wherever you're holding, this is part of your journey. And the whole idea is that you're supposed to hop something. Does everybody know what hop means? Hop means to really, you really, oh, now I hop. You really understand it with your brain. If this was hard for you, you have now hopped something about yourself. And we're going to discover what was hard about it and what we can do about it in the future. Before you leave tonight, after we have our discussion and talk about all the different pieces, you can take one of these index cards in the middle of your table, and you're going to walk out with something with you. You're going to take this page of labels. Don't look at it now. <laughs> and you're going to take whatever labels make sense to you, put them on each side, fill them out, and now you have a remembrance, something, a token reminder of the hot program. Okay, you understand that? You will also see that you have a beautiful keychain that says, I hot. So whether you really hot and did all the work, or you hot because you didn't do all the work, you have something, right? So you can add this to your keychain. Okay, now, the next thing I want you to see is that we have Chevy put together for us all of the pieces of the Hop Challenge, from challenge number one through challenge number five. There was supposed to be holes in the cover too, so you could just put the whole thing in your binder, but you can make your own holes or you can fold it just coming right up to the holes. But this way you have it forever. And I have to tell you, as I was putting it together today, you know, just looking it all through, I realized I would love to have a small kabura of people and we just take this and we read through it together and talk about it. That would be an amazing thing. There is, this is, this is very important stuff in here. And so I, whether your kabura did it or not, over the weeks, if anybody wants to make a little kabura, we just get together, read it, maybe go through it, work on it. Maybe not saying it a challenge every day and doing something every day, because it doesn't work for everybody. 
just reading it, discussing it. And I think also, if you make your own challenges, they're going to mean more to you. This was just a practice where somebody offers you a challenge. But when you choose something for yourself that's uniquely yours, then it's, it's much more motivating to you to stick with it. So I think that we should spend more time on this. Use this as a resource. And I'll tell you what some of the pieces are, and then I want to hear from you. Um, you know, as you look through a, a packet like this, well, you know what, we're going to get there through what you say. I'm not going to say this now. What I do have here are the five challenges that everybody was supposed to or could have or had the opportunity of working on. No supposed to, no should. We don't do that. Anyway, I don't need that. Okay, so let's just go through what the, what, the, what the challenges were. Number one, elevating an action to the source. Number two, my math speaks only love. Number three, seven reasons to trust Hashem. To go through one of the cards each day of the seven days. Number four, saying thank you and why. And we're going to, I'm just going to say a little bit more about each of these. Number five, one act of self-control per day. Okay? So, the first thing I'd like to do is to hear from all three groups. Nobody has to know what group you fall into, whether you were someone who actually did it, or you're someone who partially did it, or you're someone who didn't do anything at all. We'd like to hear reactions. What did, did you find that you gained something from doing something as a daily practice? Did you find that any of these ideas were something you could actually incorporate into your daily life in some way. What did you get from this? What did you learn about yourself if you had a hard time sticking with this? What was missing for you? Maybe it was that somebody else was giving you the idea of, of, a, of an action to do, and it wasn't in line with what matters so much to you. We would like to hear from all of you about your experiences with this, what it was like, and what you learned, what you gained, what you found out, please, this is really important because everybody in here is in a different place right now and we want to be able to take this and move it forward. I think this can really be a great, um, not guiding board, launching pad is good, a launching pad for even more growth, okay? So let's hear it. Remember, this is our own private room. We all know the language we've been speaking. We've made the tables very intimate and close so that everybody could speak and not feel uncomfortable. Can somebody start us off? Erica, what a surprise. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so for my mouth speaks only love, um, I found myself remembering that after my mouth didn't speak only love. But um, it was like, it, I, I kind of tried to make it like a heartwarming experience versus a self-flagellation experience of like, all right, okay, this is the plan. Okay, so now I'm gonna move forward. And and so um, sometimes my mouth not speaking only love remind me of this that I was supposed to be working on, but I consider that a win mm -hmm. just because it became an awareness. Right. And it doesn't have to be that like I'm catching myself every time, but just the idea of Okay, I see. <laughs> Very good. Awareness. Also, you know, if you have the whole day to do it, and for one minute you speak not love, well, you can go back to it the next minute. You have the entire 24 hours to try to say something loving. 
And the awareness keeps it in your mind. Very good. Thank you. I wonder if it shouldn't be only. Maybe only is um, too much, you know, that's perfection. Mm. My, my, my mouth speaks love. So, yes. Bluma, there are chairs here. Your plant, first of all, a place that right door here. And they're also yeah. to our table. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not true that that if you if you make it's not a, like because I heard, she's not the only one that people a lot of people are heard say oh oh but. If, Right. There's a reason for this. This this is one of the five neshama principles, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. It's in this booklet. So the five neshama principles mean that when I am listening to the voice of my neshama, this is what happens. If I'm actually in tune with my neshama, the only language my neshama understands or speaks is love. And if I go to number two and I look for the good in everything and everyone, it will become habitual. I won't, so it's not that I have to be perfect. None of this is. But if I was in line with the voice of my neshama, which is guiding me, that's what would happen. That's why that's the, the way it's written. Does that make sense? None of us are ever, some of you will get here at one point. I won't ever get here. I will never get to the five neshama principles fully, ever. But I'm going to keep on trying. And maybe some of you will get there. I hope that you will. I guess there are people who really do. So, but it doesn't matter. You see, that's the thing. Just like it doesn't matter if you did the cup or not. You choose, you grow, you assess. This is up to you. This is your life journey. But being in a group of people, maybe hearing from somebody who did do it, can inspire you. And hearing from someone like, you know, Erica just said, I, I turned this into and awareness, and it's something I can do. This is a wisdom that we all need to learn because we do tend to go into the, I'll never get there, I'll never make it, no matter how hard I work. And incidentally, one point about that line, which I use all the time, I've been working on this for so many years and I haven't made any progress. Really, have I been doing what, says, what it says in here? Have I made it a practice every day in some way? Have I incorporated this into my vision, which we'll talk about more? Am I doing the writing? Even two minutes a day of writing transforms you. So to say I've been working on this all the time and then not really do the work, it's not going to get me anywhere. It's just going to make me hate myself more because I can't get there. Does that make sense? That's why we're training ourselves to do the work. Has somebody here this kid? Yes. So on the, my mouth speaks only love. When one day I caught myself wanting to say something critical and I framed it and was thoughtful and careful, I later that day got a text from my husband that said, passive aggressive Rachel is cute too. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think that happened? <laughs> I know, like I did. I took a big moment on that. I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sometimes they're not used to us talking in a certain way, you know? So people do get, you know how kids, when you read a new thing in a, in a parenting book, and the kids will say to you, you're using the lines from your parenting book, you know, because you're being nice. <laughs> so thank you for hearing that. Who else? Yes, Debbie. Um, so I had difficulty with number five in the sense that that's like keeping my mouth shut when I'm triggered. It's something I've been working on for years. And I'm actually very good at it to the point that I now have a lot of resentments 
of unexpressed feelings. Oh. So I brought that up to my kabura, and somebody in the kabura reposted for me and said, maybe for you, it's more about creating boundaries as opposed to just swallowing and not speaking up for yourself. Exactly. We, we can't confuse the two. If you read Dr. Gannat, if you read Dr. Gannat, he talks a lot about saying out loud to your family what you can't do and being okay with it, which is a big learning thing for them. That if, and he just talks about it, if you keep doing what they want, pleasing them, pleasing them, pleasing them, and never saying, I can't, I can't go shopping with you today for the baseball mitt. I said that I would, but I'm just too tired. I'm sorry, should we do it? Let's see if we can do it Friday or Sunday, whatever. He really trains a lot in that because it's exactly what you're saying. This is not about... By the way, I didn't give you out the page, but you understand that love means setting boundaries, right? I think we wrote that in one of the things then. Love means taking action. Love means expressing a difficulty. Love means resolving a conflict. Love does not mean sweetsy, 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 even if you're being abusive to me or even just not nice to me. That's not love. That's not love. That's fake. Fake is not love. So please don't confuse the two. Where was that written? I, th I think I wrote it in a letter to you. I wrote it in one of the emails to you oh, yeah. um, when we were working on that. Okay. I, I think so. Yeah. So my love language is like words of affirmation. So whenever I would do one of these things, I want to feel like, oh, I got to tell somebody that like I did this. I didn't say this thing I wanted to say. And you can't do that. So like, I can't do well, that. I, I, I can't go to my room and be like, oh, my God. each other. That's the point of a chabura. When I hear Debbie say, for instance, that she's gotten really much better about not saying things in an angry tone and, and okay, now she's learning that she has to now shift and say some of the things she needs in her boundaries in a loving way, but look what she's accomplished in her life. She has gotten to a point where she doesn't say hurtful, angry things most of the time, right? So that's inspiring to me. If she hadn't said that, I would think, I could think to myself, oh, this is all a bunch of malarkey. Nobody's ever going to really do this. We're not really going to grow. But I see somebody growing. As a matter of fact, I've heard from a lot of you a lot of growing things that are happening. And that motivates me. That motivates me. This idea of doing a practice every day, whether it's something you choose for yourself from this hop thing, whether it's something new that is specific to you, and each person knows themselves, and I'm happy to meet with anybody who wants to develop that. But this idea of doing a practice every day, no matter what, no matter how tired you are, no matter what. You know, there's a story in the Rebson Kanievsky book um, where she talks about her sister-in-law, Reb Chaim Kanievsky's father, the spiker, Reb Yachim Shal Kanievsky, had three children, Reb Chaim Kanievsky, Yospa, his daughter Yospa, and his daughter Ahuva. So she talks about her sister-in-law, Ahuva Berman, who um, for the last years of her life, the last months of her life, I'm sorry, went in and out of a coma. She would wake up for a couple minutes and then slip back into a coma. And it went on for several months. And one time, Rebison Kanievsky went to visit Ahuva, her sister-in-law, and she was in a coma. She had been in a coma, you know, days and everything. 
And it was, it was between Pesach and Shavuot. And Ahuva Berman opened her eyes in the middle of this coma, which she had been in for several months, and said, what day of the sphere is it? And went back into her coma. So Rebetzin Kanievsky says, you know, when the two girls, Ahuva and Yusufa, were little children, their father, the stipler, wanted them to learn to count sphere with a bracha. So every night he made sure they counted sphere with a bracha, and he bought them a chart, and he hung it up above their mirror, because he knew they would look in the mirror, because they're cute little girls, and every time they looked at the mirror, they saw the chart, and he trained them year after year after year to count sphere. Now, she was in a coma. She didn't know what month it was. She didn't know when it was. But when she came to for a couple of seconds, her question was, what day in the sphere is it? That's the power of training ourselves every day. It becomes embedded, embedded in you. He embedded it in his children. Well, if we didn't get that, we can choose to embed whatever we want into ourselves. That is huge power. That's an unbelievable power. And then we become that. That's identity. Rebetzin Vernon became someone who would never think of going through Sphira without counting because it was embedded in her. We can choose to embed things. We can embed, as Debbie is doing, speaking not in the rough, angry, critical tone we wanted to, but in learning to speak in a loving tone. And next, she will expand that by learning to say her truth in a loving way, which will then elevate everybody around her and teach them how to be loving and considerate of others' boundaries. We don't help our children or our friends when we don't say the truth. That's the opposite of loving. That's wanting to be loved. It's not loving. So this is how we learn from each other and from what is really possible. Let me hear now from some people who were in a chapura where they really stuck with this and, and did something almost every day or whatever. I just want to say that my chapura didn't really go through it. I mean, we read through it and we talked about it, but we didn't focus on that. But in our conversation, we said even if we didn't do it, we were very aware of what was going on. Beautiful. Us. And I just wanted to comment about the thank you and the why. Um, you know, I've done a lot of traveling, and I thank the custodians of the bathrooms at the airport. And I, you know, the checkout girls <coughs> use their name, and the whole difference in their attitude when you do that is amazing. It is amazing. Now, I want to tell you a little secret. I don't know if you realize, as you did this hop, one of the things you accomplished is you worked on and practiced every one of the five Nishamas principles. Let me show you how. Let me show you how that happened. Five Nishama principles are in your booklet. Okay, now, let's remember the five Nishama principles are what our Nishama is telling us. Okay? Now, let's take a look at this and see. You helped me to see how we did all of the five Nishama principles over these five challenges. Okay. Challenge number one, elevating an action to the source. Which one of the five Nishama principles was that? Where are you? 
Hearing the voice of I can tell you or you can tell me. Which one is what? Okay, first of all, let's start with this. The first one, my mouth speaks only love, was actually one of the five Neshama principles. Yes? yes? Number one. Second one, I look for the good in everything and everyone. How did you practice that? By trying to practice this. You can't achieve this. My mouth speaks only love unless you start looking for the good in people. Otherwise, you're just seeing the bad, and you're critical, and you're irritated, and you're angry. So you, those two happened over here. Seven reasons to trust Hashem, studying them, thinking about them, writing about it, answering the questions on the page. I don't know if you did it or not. If you read a card and answered the questions that that card brings up, what did you do? Which neshama principle? I see connection with Hashem, so it's number three, and also number five. I remind myself that everything that happens comes from Hashem with love. Okay? Let's take a look at the thank you and why. Thank you for what you did for me, and let me describe to you why it was so important to me. Try looking in somebody's eyes and saying that. Somebody in your family or a friend. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for me. You went shopping for me and picked up that thing. I really appreciate it. You made my day so much easier. It really means a lot to me. What is that connection? That's intense connection. Intense connection. It's hard for us sometimes to do that because it's actually <coughs> making you very vulnerable to look in someone's eyes and to, why is why is thank you called hoda'a? The word hoda because it means admitting. I have to admit that without you, I'm incomplete. I can't manage without you. I can't even do a class without you guys. If you're not here, who am I talking to? Who gives me feedback? Who makes me feel like I can make somewhat of a difference? You do. So thank you. It's such a deep connection. That's something that all of us can take into our lives all the time. One act of self-control per day. Number four, I practice self-control in tiny moments throughout the day. Notice the word practice. All of these things are practices. They're practices. So you didn't realize, I am now revealing to you that you were working on and practicing the five Neshama principles if you tried to do something about these, these challenges. And if you just read them, that also makes you aware. But I'm, if you want to start thanking people really, it will change your life. It will change your life. That could be a practice you take on. So I want to show you a video just for, it's very, very brief. I showed it a number of years ago in another class. But it gives you the idea of, you'll tell me what it gives you the idea of. Let's, let's watch it. Tina's going to turn off. Let me just move the podium out of the way. What was number one? Which principle was that? Elevating an expression of the source? Uh, uh, what it, that connection to Hashem. And also, I think the last one, remembering that everything is from Hashem, so, it's, okay, you've seen, some of you have seen this before. It's very, very moving. Rivka, I don't know if you can see. Let's get the sound. Let's go back to the beginning. Oh, no, not again. Let's see if we can make it much louder before we start. This is a woman with Alzheimer's, just so that you know what we're talking about. She is in a home. 
I don't think so, but without the without the sound, it's not gonna. You can't hear it. You can hear it a little bit. No, it's not. It's, it's not gonna work without the sound. Can you use the projector? her when she was young. So what does that have to do with what we're talking about? It's so hardwired. Hard how, how did she learn how to dance like that? She probably loved it. She probably wanted to be a prima ballerina. And so she worked every day. And even when her brain is no longer functioning and she can't recognize anybody, it's in here. That's what we're trying to do. Dina. So, she does two ballet forms. But if we have Hashem and Navane, it's Lila and Dylan. And when we get to that, then that's what we're talking about. You see, that's a really good point, but we always have to remember, yes, these are, are difficult to do. Yes, it's hard to stick with practices and to come up with the right practice for me. But we have a Kurdish Baruch Hu helping us, and we've said, we've, we've quoted, we've quoted, when I reach out to Hashem, I go, and there he is reaching out to me. Why do we think that we have to do it alone? 
Why do we think that when we succeed, we succeeded? You didn't succeed. <laughs> Hashem succeeded you. He enables us to succeed or not. When I was a girl, I learned from my father that, and we've talked about this before, what you're davening for in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is spiritual growth. All the things we ask for health and kindness and this and that are all a piece of what's going to enable us to grow spiritually. The din is about how high we can grow. That's what we're davening for. That's the din. Now, all of the other pieces are circumstances and developments that will either stop us or push us further, which we can't figure out what those would be. But that's what we're davening for. So thank you, Dina. Such an important point. For her, it was a physical thing and a more than a physical thing. I think when you're an artist, it's a spiritual and emotional thing. It's very much so. It's the expression of your being. And it is a soul kind of expression. And that's probably why it was so deeply embedded in her. But but each of us is an artist. We are artists designing our lives and our eternity. And we have access to tools to do that. So here's another revelation. As we were working on these things, you know what we were doing? We were taking the how based on our values. In other words, in the beginning we said, okay, put aside your vision, put aside the values, put aside the why, put aside the how. Remember, we're just going to do practices. What you didn't realize is that we were trying to fool you into living out a vision. Because anybody who did these pieces is someone who was motivated to do something that was important to her and to become somebody that was important to her. By speaking only love for a week, you were putting in the how and the when of becoming a person who is living by the, driven by her neshama and close to Hashem. That's what you were doing with every single one of these practices. So now you don't ever have to be confused about what's a vision. I want to be close to Hashem. Or I want to be a loving person. Or I want to live according to the five neshama principles. Or... I just want to grow and feel that my life is meaningful. Whatever it means to you. Whatever it means to you. Or I want to have better relationships. Whatever it means to you, you make your own. And then you take, why do I want to be that? Why does that matter to me? That's your values. And here we practice the hows. All the skills that a person would need to keep growing. But if you don't do them, you don't achieve your identity because your identity emerges from your habits and your actions. That's what our Chazal tell us. Forget about modern psychology. So you decide what's one action I can do every day that I choose. Not what carbonated chooses for me. Not what Chabura tells me I have to do. I choose for me. Tell me more. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me how this was for you. If you feel bad that you didn't do it the way you would have liked to, so now what? What have you learned? Rachel. Well, prior to the chaf, I had taken on a practice of my own, which I continued to do every day throughout the chaf, which was to write down in a journal something I'm grateful for and what chesed, what one chesed did I do today? Beautiful. And, um, and there was one day when I was like, 
I do anything today? Like, and I really was upset because I couldn't think of something that I had done that was nice to anybody. And then I found one and I wrote it down. And then when I was lying in bed, I found I found a few more. But um, but what I was going to say is that for me, what's really important about the five week up is there's a structure. Now the structure didn't work so perfect for me. I would tweak it in a bunch of ways if I was going to design it for myself. Like Tuesdays getting an email instead of Sunday is just like, oh my gosh, I miss my it. My bad, my bad. No, it's okay. It's just that I, I did, it didn't, it wasn't long enough for me to get oriented to checking on Good Tuesday. Point. We had a wonderful Fabora leader and she stayed on top of us and she um, emailed us, you know, she texted us regularly and we met every week, which was fabulous, even though so many times I didn't want to be there. But having a structure and people counting on you and then we made little like partners inside and that was so helpful. And we all didn't do it perfectly, but having a structure and then getting comfortable with the structure is extremely important. Yes. Rivka. Yeah, so um, we are in the same Havara, and uh, so when, from the beginning, we divided six, we are six into three micro Havaras. And the micro Havara mm. have to talk every day or discharge or so we started to do that. Then whenever we talked, we are supposed to put on the Havara WhatsApp. And uh, if I don't, see any reactions or responses, I said, how about you, ladies? I did that. How about you, ladies? <laughs> and then we met every Sunday at 18. If somebody didn't show up, I said, let's hunt down everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call so-and-so. I'm going to call so-and-so. And we hunted down everybody that way. So then they, you know, you, we didn't say, like, oh, we have already five people. We are, we are six, but we have five people, let's start. I, I didn't do that. You stayed I, accountable. You uh, kept so, everyone accountable. So that way, I mean, everybody really came. I think there's a lesson in that. Not that we want it, you know. <laughs> there's a lesson, right? This table, somebody share with us. Yes, Alicia. So I've taken a First of all, this place drives Leslie. You're welcome. Um, I literally did that one day. I came out from putting one of my kids, the little one, to bed. And it was a Monday, so my cleaning lady had been there. And at one point in the day, it was really nice and clean. And then I came out, and every floor surface and non-floor surface had something on it. Shoes, coats, backpacks. Water bottles everywhere. Water bottles, just everything. And I came out, and I was literally starting to just rant. And I, <laughs> I caught myself saying to whoever was there, like it wasn't even addressed to anyone in specific, why am I the only one that cares about keeping this house clean? I'm like literally in that tone. Now I didn't yell, but I was literally on that. I was just so intensely frustrated. So I'm walking. I remember myself walking through. Like I, I walked through the living room, up to the dining room, then I saw the kitchen. I saw all the rooms, and all the rooms were messy. And I walked back, and I started muttering about how I'm the only one who cares about having a clean house. And then I'm like, you know what? And I went into my room and I shut the door. And I went onto my couch in my room and I texted my Habura and I said, this is what's happening, guys, talk me off the ledge. And they did, they talked me off the ledge and they're like, just, be, you know, you, you have the awareness and that's so big and da da da. And then just noticing my nervous system and connecting with it and taking it down 
And then I was able to come out and either ask everyone, just if everybody could please just put away their backpacks and their coats and their shoes and all their paraphernalia, that would be really, you know, I'd really very much appreciate that or something like that. So literally I did that. Like, you know, that, that's, that's what they're there for. That's what they're there for. That's the power of a chabula. Yeah. that you're bringing up because the bottom line is we're accountable to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So in here we try to we're a door, we're a generation that's very vulnerable and very fragile. We are. And, uh, and we blame ourselves when we can't you know, manage to be what we want to be. But the bottom line is we're here for a reason. Like uh, what am I doing to achieve that reason? I can't just live through life. I want to choose life. It's the house steps, meaning the house steps have to be actionable items. And right. if you can't tell yourself, then somebody has to be able to tell you what are those actionable items you have right. to be. I don't know. Yeah, you're making time, a very like, good point. When I hear the should, I'm like, oh, you can't, you know. I know, but, but really, how hard is it to choose one thing for the next month? This is something that matters to me. I'm going to choose one thing and stick with it. No matter what, it changes you. And we are responsible to keep growing. We just are. We don't, Hashem gives us each a salary. The salary is our life, our well-being, our, the roof over our head, the food we eat. He pays us a salary before we do the work. And we are supposed to work for the salary. But I can never stand in here and tell you, you should be doing such and such. I try to say it to myself, but I always take it too far, because if I'm not doing it, then I'm really bad, I'm gonna burn, you know? 
So it's a very fine line, but you're right. If someone like Rav Pesach Cohen, a crone says it, then we can listen to him. You can have a god, they'll tell you what you should be doing and hopefully listen. Yes? I, I don't really understand the whole thing. Because the Torah is so full of shoulds. The Torah is shoulds. 600 foot, two a lot of shoulds. And so why are we, why do we have to say we shouldn't? Because <laughs> we, we are weak. And we have been a ghost for a long time. We live in a culture that tells us that people shouldn't be offended and everyone should feel safe and you can't make people feel bad. And you know, this is, we are protecting ourselves and our children all the time. It's Maybe just- Maybe that's fighting the ghost, it's easy. Yeah, you should. Good, okay. So you're right, you're right. That's what yeah, sometimes that's a teacher will do. A teacher will say, this is due and you have to have it here or you have to be on time for this or, you know I'm saying it, but then, but then you're up against parents who want to protect their children. So, so is that really, that's what I'm saying, because here we are trying to grow, right? And so why is it that we have the whole thing that we shouldn't say we should? It's a little different. Is it what do you think, ladies? I think a lot of us already are very harsh on ourselves and don't love ourselves enough. So we're fragile in that way, I think now. It's not that we're like so harmed by by shoulds, but a lot of us take any misstep off of a should as a reason that we're terrible and hopeless and give up. The Sahara can use should very effectively to make you give up. Excellent, that's true. It's true, which leads me to something that we need to talk about that I'd love to leave you with. Listen, we're gonna we're gonna finish up our we finished up our hot and we're gonna celebrate it. Like I said, I would love to have a group of ladies that want to read through all of those and just talk about them and answer the questions on each one and really think about them. I don't, in my mind, I'm not finished with the chat. But let's say officially finished with the chat. We want to now prepare ourselves to move forward. I have a page that talks about what you were just talking about, how the critical voice derails us and how we can learn to master that critical voice. It's a very complicated and difficult um, issue, but I think this, this will help us to become aware of it. My hope is that you will discuss this with your chabura for the next few weeks. We're hoping to have a Shabbos get-together on March 16th, I think it is, if nothing else has happened in the show. And that way, you, we could all work from March 16th on this, or take your chab packet and read through it yourself or with a friend or with your kapura, even if you didn't do anything about it. So start doing something about it now. You know, start now. But I, I'd like to give this out, talk about it, and then you with your kapuras will talk about it, and then come back and report to us what you think. So I'm just gonna give each table a few of these, and just take a look at it. Let's read it through together. you all would have a lot more to say about the hot. You should have more to say about the hot. <laughs> what more would you like to say? Oh, 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 please, Beth, wait, Beth has something to say about the hot.
before everybody can really hear you. Okay, we are now going to hear Bev's wisdom, which is always wise. Okay. So, um, one of the things that I became aware of was Hashem is a loving father. And I was thinking about that, and I'm trying so hard to make Shabbos before the 18 minute starts. I'm going to, like, week after week after week, I'm trying, I'm going to do it before the 18 minutes. So I'm thinking in my head about when kids are growing up and they say, biscuit. And they don't say spaghetti. We won't say to them, I would love you so much more if you could just say spaghetti. <laughs> so here I am, and I'm, it's, it's I'm gonna make it. I, I'm gonna make Shabbos before the 18 minutes. And I got a pot on the stove, and it's got this glass lid on it, and I slide it over to the sink. Oh, no. And the glass lid shatters oh. all over the kitchen, and I went, so that's why you give us 18 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And so when I start getting down on myself, I keep saying, Biscetti. Because mm -hmm. I think Hashem says, you know what? It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You can say biscotti. I'm going to love you anyway. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, we're all going to keep saying biscotti. And Hashem is going to love us. And he knows how great we can be. And since he knows how great we can be, he's going to push us to be great while he loves us. So let's take a look at this, because I think some people here don't have this issue. The majority of people have this issue. Let's train that critical voice and learn how to use it. This is something all of us can work on until we meet again. Now here's an excellent quote from Miriam Adahan. We all have a critical inner voice, which is not always bad. That voice protected us from doing things which we would have been ashamed of or punished for. But it must be well trained to state its opinion only when it is helpful and protective. If we do not define its task, and limit its power, it will paralyze us with anxiety and self-hatred. We can learn to do that. So let's take apart what she said and see what we can do about this. For instance, define its task, okay? Everybody has that inner voice. What do you want your inner voice to do for you? Right now, probably, your inner voice is mastering you and running you and running your reactions. And I feed myself in this. What do we want our inner voice to be and do? Different people might have different, or may I never have thought about the power we have to run the inner voice. Please take a minute at your table to talk about what you can direct your inner voice to do for you. But wait, wait, we heard Erica at the beginning. Her inner voice told her when she talked in a negative way that she's, at first, her inner voice told her that you messed up, you're, I'm going to exaggerate now, you're never going to get there, what's the point of trying, you're just an angry, mad, you know, negative person. But then she took control of her inner voice and said instead, thank you for sharing that with me. I understand that you're trying to get me to improve but the way you're doing it isn't working. Instead, I'd like you to... Learn from this and do better next time. You think you can't do this with your inner voice. It's an act of will, and you can do this with your inner voice. Sometimes you can 
say out loud to your inner voice, stop, that's not what I want you to do now. You can say that out loud and coach yourself. That inner voice is the voice of the Yetzirah who wants you to fail and to, and to be dead. Chazal say all the time, he wants to kill you. Wants to kill you. He wants you to be the walking dead. And every time we let him decide or let it decide how we feel about ourselves, we're the walking dead. So this is a very important thing. Take a minute, please. Define its task. Just talk for two minutes to each other, and then, and then let's, let's talk it out. Thank you. 
but it was to correct the child's behavior as opposed to correcting the child. Mm -hmm. That's the same kind of thing. Well, it's a separation between the child and the behavior. Yes, exactly. Who else wants to say something about this? The, I, did you read through the whole thing? I know you're trying to protect me. Thank you for your efforts. You have some wisdom and you know me well. I hear you. I would suggest that until we meet again, that each of us practice sometime each day just redirecting that voice that's inside, believing that it's trying to help us and help us to grow and protect us, and start telling it how you would like to hear it speak. I also think that if you write down when you do that afterwards, sometime during the day, I corrected my inner voice, that will have a much bigger impact. Everybody, I know we all uh, don't want to be doing that writing because it's such a pain in the neck, but if you keep that black living carbonated book near you, it takes one minute. It takes a minute, and now you've changed it from just a thought into something that's real. And that's a gift you can give yourself, and that's an act of will. Writing it down is a choice, it's an act of will, and it will make a big difference for you. Anybody else want to say anything about this page? I, I would suggest that you read it and encourage each other in your chaburos, because this is a very powerful thing that we have to learn. We think we have, we, we think we have all of these voices, and we want to discriminate and separate them out, and really see if we can hear what they're saying and shift what and how they're saying it. Yes, hundred. This critical voice could also, <clears throat> I mean, another label for it could be like your guilty conscience. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here's the question. You see, we get there, we have this amygdala, and the minute something goes wrong, we feel like, like something bad has happened, and we get into a very negative space, and oh no, I'm this, oh no, that's this, oh no, right? All of this, the fear, it's really the fear. The negative voice is what we've been talking about, fear. The fear of, I failed, I'm not going to make it, I'm not good enough. What does she think? She thinks I'm bad. She thinks I'm bad. All the fears that we have are expressed by the negative voice. And that's why it was so important when we're trying to do that practice. Whenever you get irritated or angry or resentful or feeling bad during the day, what's the fear behind it? That's another reason to keep the black book with you and take 30 seconds. I'm afraid that. I'm afraid that they won't like me. I'm afraid that they will think poorly of me. I'm afraid that I'm afraid that I'll lose all my money. Whatever it is, everybody has fears. Everybody. You can't exist without some fears. It's not possible. If you didn't have any fear, you would have total mastery of yourself. There are fears. And if you take that moment, I'm very upset now or I'm depressed now. What am I? I'm angry at this person. Why? What am I afraid of? It's so helpful. And then, if you do that, you can now direct your inner voice. Oh, my inner voice always talks to me from that place of fear. You begin to see how it works on you. And, and then you begin to gain power over the inner voice. This is something that I think we can work on along with our vision, because the inner voice will tell you it's too hard to become that. 
you'll never get there. You don't have time to do the writing. You don't have time to do this. Your life is too crazy. You can't do this. That's your inner voice being afraid that you're not going to make it. So this is something to talk through with your Chaburas. I would suggest in the next few weeks that you go through, read through different Chab challenge pages with your Chaburah. I think there's a lot in there in each of the challenges. You don't have to do them, but you can talk about what would I get if I did that. Each one has questions on that page for you. Answer the questions. Try to answer them out loud if you don't want to write. Define your fears as you go through the day, one time during the day. Talk about this. There is so much work for your Chaburah to do. So if anybody has a problem with your, that their Chaburah is not meeting, the Chaburah is not working, let's see if we can meet with all of you, help you to figure out a way to make the Chaburah work, put you in a different Chaburah. It is so unbelievably helpful. It's really helpful. Okay, your last job today is to take one of the index cards in the middle of your table. And you get to choose, I'm just going to read through the labels with you. You're going to choose which label fits your experience. And when you walk out of here tonight, when you walk out of here tonight, you will have a personalized card that tells you what you got from your failure or your success or whatever it is. So there are different types of labels. Top left. Here is a practice from the Chach that I would like to take on for my life. Maybe you always want to work on my mouth with only love. Maybe you always want to work on thank you. Take it on for your life. Or at least for the next month. Try it out. By the way, 30 days is the amount of time it takes to establish a new habit. So if you take something on for 30 days, it's going to make a difference for you. Think of the ballerina. Next, underneath. I have learned the power of daily practices. Maybe you did the Chach. And you feel how it changed you. And then you describe what about daily practices is so powerful. Next, underneath, put in the middle of your card, I hop. I understand something new from this that I didn't before. Next, I can feel the growth in myself over these five weeks. Describe what the growth is. Acknowledge what the growth is. Don't ignore it and don't let it fade away. If you grew, Write it down so you can remind yourself by looking at this card. Bottom left, I wasn't able to keep up with the hot challenges. Why? Can I take on something now? And I would say to you, don't blame circumstances. Circumstances have nothing to do with why you didn't do the hot challenge. Nothing. Nothing. I don't care if you were traveling, if you were out of town. If you had the flu, if you this, if you that. If you're motivated, you're going to do your challenge no matter what. <laughs> next, uh, next column. I have learned something about myself through the Chap challenge. Maybe I kept the challenges, maybe I didn't. Now I know something about myself. Write down what you learned about yourself. I didn't hop yet, but I will. I can always start over and try again with one small practice. What will it be? Make a decision for a small, tiny, tiny, tiny practice. 
act of self-control bring freedom and power. And on the bottom, I have actually been embedding an identity in myself over these five weeks. What was that identity? So you please take a moment now. You're not taking this home. You're doing, and you can't, but you're doing this now. You're taking a card, and you are putting the, some of these labels on your card. You can do both sides. You can fill it in here with your writing. You can fill it in at home. But you are taking something substantial in this world, in the world of space, in the world of created being, that you are now saying, this is who I am. Yes. I was just wondering if anybody had something like, you know, you said we were in three groups, and like if anybody did anything. One second. Wait, wait, let's just hear. Let's just hear one person at a time. I think it's much more helpful to hear one person say that. No, saying the people that actually did invest themselves in it, like that third group. If anybody have anything love to hear. that would be like inspiring to the rest of us. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. What I really want to hear: How did you grow? Did you feel yourselves growing? Can you learn some? Did you learn something about daily practices? Somebody, is that your name? Yeah, please. So, I have always really enjoyed cards, reading these cards, and I'll read them and I'll think about them and. These are the talking cards. These are talking cards. Yeah. Um, and I think when the third challenge came out, that really opened my eyes. The question, doing all the writing, made me realize, like, okay, I thought. I thought, yeah, no, I know Hashem's loving, and I thought I knew everything until I like worked through those questions, and I realized I had like major holes and gaps within like how much do I really believe in these? So that was like very eye-opening to me to see. I think I believe these. I think I know them, but there's like a lot more work that needs to take place. Thank you. That is so helpful. She actually spent the time looking at the questions. Listen, Bitochan is the most important thing in your life. The entire life is dependent on it. It's what we're here for. It's what Hashem keeps asking for. Here's an opportunity to read the things that Rabbeinu Bukhaya told us and to write about them. And when you write about them, you realize what you really think. Now, I don't really trust him fully. I trust him partially. So now what do I do? This is your soul's work. Anybody else who's who was in a chabura that did it and yes, I didn't, I didn't intend to say this, but now that we're thanks, I I, I shared it with you, my chabura, but whatever the one that said, I I really didn't actually intend to say okay, anything, fine. but anyway, um, the one that said, um, just, which is that one with the mouth speaks only love, my mouth speaks only love, and so we were talking about people who had. You know, husbands and wives and kids and this whatever and I'm like you know I'm not in my house you know talking to those people and I talk to my patients very lovingly all the time so I was like what who am I so I thought you know I'm gonna do it with Hashem and then I'm gonna only speak lovingly to Hashem because I don't always speak lovingly to him and I just thought that will be my challenge that this week I will and it it literally transformed my relationship with him like I made it a point that he, thinking he wants to hear from that tender, loving part, not always like the angry, you know, other part, you know. And it was it was life transforming to do that. You know, Ariella told me about that when she did it. When she, you know, she called me. We're talking to them. She said, you know, I decided I'm going to talk lovingly to Hashem. 
And it hit me so strongly that after that I told you this, I thank you for that. I said to myself, how often do I talk lovingly to Hashem? I'll beg him for things. I'll cry to him for, for things and people and events and everything. But how often do I express myself to him with such love? And that, which transforms her, made such a huge impact on me. Speak to Hashem with love. Thank you so much for sharing that. There's a lot of a lot of realizations and a lot of growth that happens here. I would we would all love to hear more because it helps each of us to grow more and more. There's so much opportunity here. So much opportunity. Don't let it go. Let's use this. We give ourselves a structure and a path and steps to take and friends to do it with and a habura of, of many women within which we can speak in a certain language. We have uplifted ourselves and given ourselves an opportunity that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Just your sharing that very vulnerable thing certainly reminded me and made me feel uplifted. Is there anybody else who would like to share something that they gained from this in any way? Was this a worthwhile project to do? Did it make a difference in your lives to receive a challenge each week, even if you didn't do it? Does this enable you to remember, to be aware? Yes, Toba, please. So, um, one day I spent a lot of time writing about the, in, the challenge of the Kaplan card. The, one, the first one about Hashem's love, and the question was like, where do you feel Hashem's love? So, I was thinking how I know intellectually Hashem loves me. I have no, like, I have no doubt about that. I don't feel experience Hashem really love me, but experience love. I know Hashem loves me. But I was questioning to myself why I don't feel it in my bones to the same degree that I feel certain other principles, such as, for example, like, everything Hashem does is for the best, everything Hashem does is for good, etc. And I was thinking to myself, like, the messages that I, that I give over naturally to my children are the ones that are, like, I feel my bones, and there are certain there are certain um, there are certain principles that I feel like very naturally and just instinctively are very much given over to my children because it's in my bones. But I question myself. I rarely give over with that same um, conviction. Conviction is the exact word. Um, Hashem loves you. Hashem loves us. It's and fine. Loredina does. Go on. <laughs> I love myself. Like, why is that? Like, when my kids are little, I say, oh, you know, Hashem loves us, but it's not the same words that come out, like, other things that come out. And so I had to, like, really sit and think about why is that. And it, this took me, like, an hour to write this through, but I actually got to start a um, I I realized, I said, well, what when I think of Hashem's love and what this feels like, what, what am I thinking of? So I kind of started, like, a person. Like, how do I feel love okay for my husband? And then I like, listed a few things. And then I was able to kind of say, oh, Hashem does those things to me too, like obviously in a different way. Hashem does those things to me too, but I always look at it as Hashem's kindness. I will never up and say, Hashem, thank you so much. I'll think about you. Hashem is so good to me. Hashem is so good to us. Because I'm looking at all these things as Hashem's kind, Hashem's mm -hmm. kindness. But I never saw it as Hashem's love. So and then I started to think, well, if I start looking at those things, not only is Hashem's kindness and Hashem's so good to me, and I thank Hashem for all that, but that's that's love. Then I was able to realize I really do I I can feel love if I start to look at those things as love. So that was just like one very, thing that very helpful. Mm -hmm. 
And then at our Chabura, I was discussing this, and somebody brought up that, but why is it that it's the, when we, why is it that it has to be the kindnesses that um, make me feel loved from Hashem? And what if, is, what if Hashem's not kind? What if I'm not getting these wonderful things I'm looking at the brachas? What if it's difficulties? Do I, do I, of course I can still feel loved by Hashem, that goes with the trust. I know that everything Hashem gave me. But do we see that? Do we see that as love? Mm. So that was like a whole thing we also discussed. Anyway, that was just like one thing that I felt like. So I also like have not done the writing, honestly, like through that whole of what I haven't done the writing. But this over the hot child, I sat down two times for an hour and like really did the writing, and those were the pieces that like really like I got it because I actually sat and wrote. Right, right. Thank you so much, Linda. That there was a lot in what what Rebecca just said. A lot in what you just said. The effort, you know, when you do the writing, you 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 are in effect reaching out to Kadoshvarko. You're trying to get to yourself and connect with him. And in terms of feeling his love when things are so hard, there's a book of one of the Times of Challenge books. Um, from, it must be 30 years ago, and there's a story in there from a person that I knew. She was in my sister's class when we were in school, and she was talking. She had a child with cancer, and she was talking about one time. And she, I'm going to try to find it and read it to you. She was in the basement of the um, hospital because he had had a certain treatment, and she was pushing him in his wheelchair to get him back to his room. And she felt Hashem's presence so much that she talks in this story about how she started to dance with the wheelchair, oh. dance around with the wheelchair. And, of course, the pole, the IV and everything. Here she had a six-year-old child with cancer, lost the ability to walk, and going through chemo and all these treatments, and she's pushing it and feeling Hashem's love. I have to really try to find it and read it to you. And this is just a regular person that I knew. Now, how did she transform into that? So often, it's those things that bring a person to feel Hashem's love. And if we're working on this, when Baruch Hashem, we don't have that kind of a crisis, then we're open to it when we do have a crisis. Life gets hard, you know? It doesn't have to be that kind of a crisis. But it's about training ourselves and the writing, the writing. You could put on a timer and write for two minutes a day about gratitude, about Hashem's love, about what my fear is, anything you want. There are so many opportunities from this hot challenge or the pages leading up to it. You choose... You choose if you want to grow and who you want to be. The two times that Tova spent time, now, you don't have to spend an hour. Sometimes you get caught up in it. You choose. Spend a few minutes writing. Something's going to appear on that page that connects you to yourself. It's very powerful in the habit. I try to just with the gratitude thing, like, put on, you know, only two minutes. I'm not going to go beyond two minutes. And then I'll write down, okay, this is what, what, what is so in my life. Why am I grateful for that? And I write for a couple of minutes, and I feel so much more connected to myself and to Hashem. Sometimes I just want to write more and more and more, but I don't let myself because no, this can only be the two minutes. Choose what you want. Choose something. Debbie. Can someone give an example, a real-life example, of when they did number two, that where they were not feeling love, but they spoke with love, and how 
what that sounded like and how they were able to do that. Um, I had a very hard time with that one. I can give you an example because something that happened to me last night. Okay. So I'm working on this name of play. Um, I've done about 25, 26 different type plays over the years with the girls. And there's some consistent things, you know, that there are always the parents who complain. So there were parents in the room, and then there were parents on the Zoom. And I'm not blaming any parent for complaining because if I'm a parent, and, you know, it's hard for me to have my daughter busy a lot. I'm going to, whatever. So this woman just hit a lot of buttons as she was complaining. It was a, a lot of, first of all, her daughter's not in that many scenes and everything. And, like, what is she complaining about? You know, it's school and whatever the things are. And I could feel it napping in myself. You know, I'm killing myself. Gizzy's killing herself to do this. You can't imagine killing ourselves. There's no sleep. There's no eat. There's no nothing. There's no, and meanwhile, life goes on. You know, people slip up and be meetings and things. Life goes on. I'm killing myself. And you're worried that your daughter's missing a Sunday afternoon? Like, give me a break. And instead, I, 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 I think... Maybe someone who was there yes. I spoke to her lovingly. As I spoke to her, I felt loving to her. What did you say? Like I, I forgot exactly. I said, we want to take care of you. We want to make it work for you. Please let us know everything that's not working. We want to take care of your daughter. It's really about your daughter. And as I spoke it, I began to feel it. I felt love for this woman and for her child. And she calmed down. I guess because I really felt loving. So, see, also, we have to realize that everybody has their own world. In her world, it's true that it's too hard. In my world, it's true that it's too hard for me, so how dare you say it's too hard for you? You don't even know what hard means, right? So I'm in my world, and my husband made a beautiful comment to me about this idea of getting into the other person's world. You're gonna, we can be in the same room and have the same conversation and you see it totally differently. We've talked about this before. Because you're coming from your world, I'm coming from my world. And so we were talking about stepping into the other person's world. And he said to me, you know, that's what tefillah is. Tefillah is stepping into Hashem's world. And that was really profound for me to hear. If we can practice stepping into the other person's reality, then when I'm standing before Hashem, or not, I'm not formally davening, I can just take literally a step forward and just say in my own words, get into, he's the creator, he loves us. He put all of this here so that we could find him. The idea is for us to work and master ourselves. And he gives me and loves me and does so much for us. Let me get into his world and realize he just wants us to be connected to him. So when I'm standing in that place, I can feel him and trust him. Get into his world. The, the, my mouth speaks only love is where I see you as you. And you're okay as you are. You don't have to be me or see things the way I do. You deserve existence the way, same way I deserve existence. Let me step into your world and get what it means to you, which then expands us. And when you do that, you truly can love the other person. You truly feel it. You want to be a conduit, a pipeline, which we're going to talk about another time, becoming a pipeline from a Kodesh into the world. 
That's the job of a, of a Jew. We bring bracha into the world. We bring love into the world. We bring the realization of the Kurdish Baruch into the world. Every one of us. Every single one of us. No one's here that don't matter. So, don't you want to be that pipeline? So, but you can't be a pipeline without working or being a pipeline. You've got to build the pipeline. So we have work to do, and you, we help each other. The Pelvis said was so helpful, I think for all of us, what Arielle said was so helpful. And if anybody else would like to share just something that they got from this that, that everyone can relate to. That's why we're here together. That's why we push the tables together. So people could feel that they could actually share something together. Yes. Um, I would just say that the, um, that the gratitude thing to unwind, um, there was one day that I, I didn't do it every day, but there was one day that I specifically chose someone <coughs> that I wasn't feeling a lot of gratitude toward. <laughs> and um, someone else had actually in their suggested, right, said that they acknowledged one of their children and like gave gratitude to one of their children. I thought that was so powerful. It's like, how often do you think they mean? If your kid does want to give you, say thank you. But like, to thank them for being there or existing or existing as they are. And I wasn't feeling all the love in that moment. So I chose that one to express the gratitude towards. And when you frame it in that way, then you suddenly find a lot of things be grateful for, but I mean, you have to, you have to stop and you have to stop. It can't be, it's not like my mouth is going up, it's not really in the moment, but it was helpful. Very helpful. We have work to do. So it's exciting work and we have each other. I don't think we're taking advantage enough of what we can be doing here. I think we could take more advantage of some of those ideas, suggestions, and writings not because I'm giving them to you. You know, like, well, I'm creating them. We're not creating them. We're just sharing with each other the things that can make our lives bigger and matter the way we want them to matter. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so the first thing that I would just say is in chronological order. When we started this, um, you said how um, this is so important and think about the power of the women in this community and that we're all doing this and um, it just it actually it hit me that time I'm sure you've said that probably before but it really hit me I was like oh my gosh who am I to not show up this might be a little short thing sorry I shut up but it was like this was like it was like our our nation is at such a crazy time right now and who are we to not work together right now and do this this is like, this is why we're here. We're literally put on this planet to improve ourselves and to like, which has become clearer and clearer to me um, in the recent months. But to like, to cling to Hashem and to conquer your answer, right? So I was like, who can I just like, what? So I'm just gonna not do that just because I've got other things going on? Like, no, that this is the point. This is the point. Um, and so that was, that was helpful. Um, what's also practically the more helpful than just that like inspiring realization was that I literally cannot do this without a Chabura. I, I cannot, the, the post-its on the wall, all this stuff is, like it just doesn't, it doesn't help as much. And in our 
WhatsApp group, um, I said, you know, the only reason I was able to control myself when a child came into the car who had a long day and just, you know, and I, and I said, well, because as I was sitting in carpool and I was texting my group, so it was on my mind, it was, it was act, active and real, and then I was able to remain calm and had that one act of self-control that day in that moment in the car. So um, I'm very grateful for Michael Bora. That was, I said thank you to them for that week. But um, that, I, I just feel like how could I, how could we ever stop? Because it's just impossible. I, I just, I can't do it without them. So that was, yeah. It has to be active and real. And like just reading a, a card, it's just, it's not, right. even, for me personally, I need to have it with me. So, so, yes. I just want to say one thing that also worked for me that you need to help other people. By week two, I set an alarm in my phone to go off every day at 3.55, which is like five minutes before my kids walk in the door. And it said, I speak all the words, I respond to annoying comments and app um, I, I don't give my opinion when it's not asked for. And instead of saying, this is so annoying, I, um, I look at it positively. So, Every day that alarm would go off, and it would just be a little reminder. Um, one time, I, I usually don't meet my kids walk from home, but one day I, I did have to, and it went off. And my eight-year-old said, "What is that? Is that a reminder that today you had to take the on Jody because my older one plays basketball?" I said, "No, actually, that's telling me I speak loving words." Like, and I was able to say, oh, okay. yeah. So they also like know that I'm working on it, and I. Um, but I felt like the alarm is really a consistent alarm, and. When I did the other time, the second one hour that I said was about my not speak loving words, I was actually doing the microvision on it and like all the steps. And um, for that part where it's the how and the plan, and it's very concrete. The how is that there's an alarm that reminds me. Without that alarm, I would never ever remember about it, but it was just like a reminder, and I feel like that's really helpful. That's great. That is so great. That's something awesome I think we all use. Fabulous. See what we offer. She shared her painting with us. That's what this is about. So, ladies, page 17, the last page of the chat, has questions for you to talk about in your computer or to answer for yourself in writing. And another suggestion I would make to you is that you take this little booklet and you really look at it maybe once a week or twice a week or something to remind you of what we are doing in this world. Thank you so much for coming. It really makes it so much. Everybody that's here makes a difference. And have luck on. We will get together and meet the show when it happens next month. Thank you for offering. Thank you. Thank you so much. I feel like this was like fruit therapy. Thank you for offering. Don't forget your index cards. Take your index cards and work on them.